Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Hi, friends. Episode 133. And this week, I'm talking to you from the AV studio for Joanne the Life Coach. It still has a few boxes left to unpack around me, so I'm glad you're just listening to the audio portion of AV and not looking at the video portion of the AV studio. But we will get there here in Waco as I continue to get the offices set up and settle in and If you've been following me on Facebook and reading my blogs, you know that I absolutely love it here in Texas. I am so, so happy to be here. So this week was inspired by something that one of my certified widow coaches posted in our Facebook group. And um, hold on, let me go look at that post and read it to you all so that you kind of know. It's nothing dissing on her. It's a great post. And as I said, this was posted um, by one of my certified widow coaches who I just adore her. She totally gets it, right? And part of this post talks about how you can turn your back on tomorrow and live yesterday, or you can be happy for tomorrow because of yesterday, You can remember only that they're gone or you can cherish their memory and let it live. And at the end, it says you can cry and close your mind and feel empty or you can do what they would want. Smile, open your heart, love and go on. Beautiful sentiment, right? And she really does get it. But here's the thing that came to my mind as a coach. And that is maybe it's the moment that you stop doing things because you think it is what they want for you and start discovering what it is you want in life. That's how you begin to live an extraordinary life. And I think this is true whether you're widowed or not widowed. Because even before becoming widowed, there were times in my life that I was doing things because I thought it was things that they would approve of or want for me. They being my husband, or even when I was younger, my parents. Adult, I was very aware of what would my parents think of this? What would make my parents proud? What would they want me to be doing in life right now? And, you know, I was so wrapped up in what my parents were expecting of me and what my friends would think. And I didn't take time to think about what I thought, right? We get so wrapped up in life. We don't, especially we first get married and we're all wrapped up in, you know, maybe being able to save the money to buy a house or get ourselves a new car and having our first child and all of those acquiring years, We we are trying to do the best we can by our kids and have a nice house and furnish it and maybe even be able to take them to Disneyland. And we never stop to think 
what it is that we want in life. If there was nobody to judge or give you any input at all, what is it you would want for you? And here's the thing, change is scary. And we've been hit with huge change, involuntarily hit with huge change. Fear of uncertainty kicks in, you know, and I start wondering, like, is it too much sacrifice that I have to make to go get what I want? Maybe I'm better off just staying where I am, status quo, right? Just go with the flow. Don't buck the system. Makes it so much easier. Sound familiar? I think we all do that a little bit. But here's the thing. I started exploring ways to help you find out what you really want in life because I think it becomes one of the most important questions you could ever ask yourself. Like, what do I want? You know, early days, you know, if you're still early days widowed, I know it is so hard to just even get up in the morning and exist. And it is at that point helpful to remember, hey, my spouse wouldn't want this for me. My spouse would want me to be living my life again, right? He would want me to be happy. Of course, Jim would never admit that, my husband. He would have said, no, I want you to be miserable and wear black and wail and drop roses in the street. <laughs> you really wanted the Hollywood version, right? But I know that deep down under all of that, he would want he would want me to be happy. He actually had told me before he died, even though we didn't know he was going to die. It was it was a sudden heart attack. But he had said something to me about if anything happens to me, you need to get somebody else in here with you. Don't be alone. And um, early on, it was reassuring to know that he felt like, yeah, you need somebody in your life again right away. But I also became concerned when it wasn't the top of my list after Jim died. I absolutely did not want another person, right? Um, and in that first year after becoming widowed, I felt like I would never want somebody else in my life again. You know, it was just, it was Jim. And that changed, that shifted. But I used to worry, worry is such a useless thing to do to yourself, right? And we all do it. I used to worry that wherever he was in the afterlife, he was being annoyed that I wasn't out finding somebody. He was maybe concerned that I was still alone by myself, that I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. And, um, I had to come to terms with that and realize that he said that out of concern and love for me, I get it, but it's not what was going to be best for me at, at that point in time. When it is good for me, it'll happen, right? That's the way I look at it. I'm not out there actively dating or looking, but if I should have a chance at love and happiness again in my life, of course I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to pass that up. That is just too beautiful of a thing in life to walk by, right? So, but now you are thinking, yeah, but what is it I do want? Joanne, I have no idea and I get it. I've had widows tell me, 
um, I've come to the realization that now I could do whatever I want with my life. I could do anything. He's not here. My parents are not here. You know, I'm beyond worrying about what other people think. I could go out there and do anything with my life. And it terrifies me because it's like, it's like this whole huge world out there and I don't know what I want. I'm afraid of it. And we're afraid of it because change is scary, right? And as I said, the fear of uncertainty kicks in because now we're going towards something that isn't certain, feels a little rocky, and we freak out. And we decide we're better off just staying right where we are, which is not necessarily true. I had a thought the other day, and the thought was this, you know, like, Life was okay. You know, maybe even life was good. But if I'm going to live an extraordinary life, I have to be willing to let go of good. I have to be willing to let go of okay. It's an okay life. I have to let go of okay. That's kind of scary because I don't know what I'm grabbing onto yet. But if you're going to live an amazing life, you have to be willing to let go of okay. Kind of freaks you out, huh? Does me all the time, every day. Every day for four and a half years, you guys, I've been pushing beyond good enough to go for extraordinary and a constant push towards an extraordinary life. And how do I define an extraordinary life? It's not flying on private jets, although that might be kind of a cool experience. It's not having more money in the bank than I could ever spend, although that would be interesting. But having an extraordinary life means that I am out there in the world and I may be making changes that nobody else is making. Maybe I'm building an idea that nobody's even thought of before. I am pushing myself out of my comfort zone constantly, and it's causing me to grow as a human being. I am learning about myself constantly. I think that's the real drive. I have to tell you, since Jim died, I've learned more about myself in the last four and a half years than I learned in all those years preceding. I mean it. It has been a really true exploration of myself. It's not always comfortable. It's not always exciting. <laughs> right? You have to get curious about yourself, but you also have to be really honest with yourself and have the guts to face the parts of yourself that maybe you're not so happy with. That's tough. But once you do that and you start learning that being able to call yourself out on your own BS really launches you forward. It's an amazing thing. So here's what I have researched to help you discover what you really want in life. Okay, how are you going to live an extraordinary life? And here are things that I found. One is from Lifehack.org. And it is how you know what you want. They say it's seven ways to find out what you really want in life. Number one is be selfish. 
You can't pinpoint exactly what you want in life if you're constantly sacrificing your time and dreams for other people. This is so true. Being selfish sounds like such an icky thing, but it's not. Sometimes it's an honest thing. I talk about people-pleasing to my widow coaches in training. Um, and here's the thing with people-pleasing. We lie to people so that they will not be upset with us or maybe like us better. And by lie, I mean like, you know, the little innocent white lies. Like, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want him to get upset. The lies that are like this, they say... Hey, a bunch of us are going to the water park tomorrow. Come with us. And deep inside, you're like, I freaking hate water parks. But I'm going to go because if I don't go and hang with the girls, they won't like me. So you say, I'd love to come with you guys to the water park. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And you think your friends are going to like you better? They're not. They're going to like some image that you're projecting. They're, they're not even going to know who you are because you're not totally honest with them. And to get totally honest, you have to be a little selfish, right? Think about the word selfish. We were taught as little kids, don't be selfish, share with Susie. So we were taught selfish was a bad thing, okay? Maybe not sharing with Susie was a, not a great thing, right? Share that with her. But there are other ways to be selfish, and that is to discover yourself and be true to yourself. Yeah. Their number two on there is regret nothing. <laughs> this sounds a little bit like my husband. I don't think he regretted anything. And he always told me, just deny everything, Joanne. <laughs> if you're ever cornered. Deny everything. That was his line. Would crack me up. But regret nothing. Regretting things that you can't change or undo is really kind of a worthless emotion. You're just going to sit there and regret it and feel bad and it's not changing a thing. So don't have regrets. At every point along the way, you've made the best decisions you could with the information you had at the time. Right? I don't think people are ever intentionally evil. Some people seem intentionally evil, but in their brain, they have somehow justified some bizarre stuff. <laughs> they need help. They need, they need therapists. They need life coaches. Right? But for us, regret nothing. Regret nothing. And I teach this because I know right after Jim died, I know what my brain did. My brain was like, what were we talking about right before he died? What did we say to each other that day? What did I say to him in the week before he died? Did I say I love you enough? Did we argue? What did I say? What did he say? What happened a month before? My brain was analyzing from the second he died, going back further and further into the past, trying to make sure that everything I said and everything we did was perfect and loving up to his death, which is kind of a crazy thing. Because when you've been married for years, 
you're not going to be perfect and loving every second. That would be a fallacy. That would be back to people pleasing because there's for sure times that you annoy each other, right? So your brain wants to go back and make sure everything leading up to their death was absolutely perfect. And when you find the thing that wasn't perfect, like I can't believe I said this to him or this was the last thing he said or and you start regretting that, that's just poison in your system. That does nothing to help you. And it changes nothing. So no regrets, no regrets. And as you go forward, when you try new things and maybe you fail spectacularly and you're embarrassed about it, don't regret it. That was just one lesson along this path of finding the life you really want or creating something extraordinary in the world, right? Those are the, the things that you want. Number three, figure out what you need. What do you need? You want to determine what really bothers you? Hey, make a list. Determine what truly makes you happy. You know, at some evenings... A bubble bath is what truly makes me happy, right? When my body feels like it's been through a battle and I just need to de-stress. Determine what makes you truly happy. Let people around you know what you're trying to achieve. And stay positive. We can't always stay positive. I might dispute number seven in their list. Because I think when we have negative emotions, they're just as valuable to us as positive emotions. And that we need to allow our negative emotions and experience them so that we have the contrast for our positive emotions. How do you know you're having a positive emotion if you have never experienced a negative emotion? You don't know. You have nothing to compare it to. Right? There was a website called Big Think, and they talked about 10 steps to attracting the life you want. Ta-da! How simple for us, right? 10 steps. Let's see if any of these resonate with you. The first one is follow your heart. And I have to tell you, my mom's top advice for me when I was a young woman was follow your heart. I did, and it has produced a beautiful life for me. That's what she said. Mom was a British war bride, um, thought my father was dead in the war. He was missing, presumed dead in Germany, but he, he wasn't. He returned after the war. She left England. Everything she knew, her mom, her, her siblings, got on a boat, because in those days, that's how you got from England to the U.S., got on a boat with her one-year-old son. She and my dad had married in England before he deployed to Germany, right? Um, so my brother was born there, and she came to the United States following her heart because her heart said, you need to be with him. That is your husband. You go where he goes. And for her, her beautiful life was being able to just be a housewife and a mom. All of us kids were like everything to her. So my mom's number one advice is follow your heart. Live a more satisfying life by letting your heart guide you. When your heart calls out, 
for what it wants, you need to listen. Your heart is tender, kind, and guided by meaningful choices. And it's much more likely to do the right thing rather than making a self-serving, ego-dominant decision, is what they're saying. Um, I don't know if ego always makes self-serving decisions, but I get what they're saying. You know, you can let ego lead you. Or I would say as women, we're more likely to let fear paralyze us. Listen to your heart. What is your heart saying to you? Not the fear. The fear says, go back into your cave and stay safe. Right? Or to put it in today's terms instead of caveman terms. I mean, that's how it started in caveman terms to keep us alive. Like, don't leave the cave. It's not safe out there. Now we want to go hide in our closet, <laughs> right? Our brain says, go hide in the closet, close the door, and you'll be okay. Instead of putting yourself out there in the world. But your heart may be telling you something different. Your heart may be saying, I want to be out in the world. Their number two is tune into the soul. They're saying fear doesn't reside in the soul. The soul is inspiration and clarity. The soul gives you a calling. It's your unique signature. Follow it and stay true to yourself. I don't know if I can follow that. To me, that still leaves me feeling like I'm standing in the middle of no man's land going, how do I hear my soul? They say, if you're struggling to hear its call, practice mindfulness. Surrender to simplicity and the flow of your soul. The way I practice mindfulness is really being observant of my own thoughts. And that is really centered around a lot of my teaching, a lot of my teaching here on the podcast, a lot of my teaching to my followers on Facebook is to become aware of your own thoughts. That's mindfulness. When you start paying attention to what your brain is telling you and you understand that what your brain tells you is not you, it's not who you are. It's a program in your neuropathic pathways in your brain, like these neurons just fire up there and you get to focus on that thought or you get to reject that thought. You have a choice, right? You have a choice. It's an amazing thing. Thoughts are optional. Who knew? Number three is see the big picture. Don't get stuck on small things. Focus on what's really important and how you can get what you want out of life. I'm not finding them very helpful at this point. <laughs> um, oh, well, number four, I'm totally behind. Develop emotional self-mastery. Yes, I can teach you how to do that. Emotions are the most powerful energy you have. And successful people develop methods to harness their emotions. That's what this says on this website. I don't call it harnessing our emotions. I call it, first of all, learning how to actually feel your emotions without resisting them. And then learning how you can generate the emotion that you want to feel. Or the emotion that's going to fuel something that you are trying to accomplish. And I teach that kind of emotional self-mastery that is incredible and life-changing. 
was life-changing for me. I think it's been life-changing for every single widow that's come through that widow coat certification class blows your mind when you discover exactly how emotions work and how you can put your emotions to work for you, right? Emotions drive your life, people. It's all about how we feel or how we want to feel or how we don't want to feel. That's what drives our actions, right? If we don't want to feel afraid, we will stop all action, right? We'll shut down in a way because it's like, I don't want to feel that. Or we go eat ice cream. That's kind of my MO. (laughs) But the truth is you could allow that fear and feel it and process it and then decide how you do want to feel and what you need to think to feel that way. It's emotional self-mastery is an amazing thing. They talk in this article about developing passion for who you are and what you're here to contribute, right? Connect emotionally to what you want to achieve. Make it deeply resonant. And I kind of get that because doing this work for me is absolutely my passion. I do feel that I'm making a contribution to the world, that I'm doing something meaningful and significant that nobody has done before in our society for widows. So, yeah, I am really passionate. Yogananda said, those who live passionately teach us how to love. Those who love passionately teach us how to live. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Let's see, they're number five, align to your truth. And basically, I think that is staying in touch with who you are and align yourself to your thoughts, feelings, and actions. They're saying align. I think it's really just owning your own thoughts, feelings, and actions and recognizing that your thoughts and your feelings and your actions are your responsibility. They all come from you. I think that's how you stay fully present with who you are and you own that. You're not blaming your actions on something else or somebody else. They made me do it, right? The government made me do it. The economy is bad. He made me do this. Nobody makes you do anything. Everything that you do in your life, and I mean everything that you do in your life, is what you have chosen to do. Nobody and no thing has made you do anything, right? And when you can own that, that is aligning to your own truth. We impact each other in obvious and subtle ways. So pay attention to what your truth is. They talk about negative people weighing you down. I disagree with that. I think you can choose to let negative people weigh you down or you can choose to just not believe what they're saying. You see, it's all a choice. Our emotions, how we feel and how we think, always our choice. They say negative people can weigh you down and affect your results. That's a lie, my friends. (laughs) I'm sorry. Whose page was this? I need to apologize to them because I have just said it's a lie. But... It is. Big think. Yeah, nothing, nothing outside of us can affect your results. Negative people do not weigh you down and create results in your life. What you think about the negative person can weigh you down. And if you weigh yourself down, 
you will affect the results in your life. But what you think about that negative person is your choice. They can't make you feel one way or another, and they can't make you act one way or another. So instead of what they're saying, surround yourself with a support team who's positive and blah, blah, blah. No. Understand that the top five people that you are spending your time with, whether they are actually there in person with you, or they're somebody that you read all the time or listen to all the time, the people that you connect with, the top five, you are the sum average of the top five people that you spend time with. So make sure that you are, your top five are amazing people that you aspire to, right? I have some amazing mentors in my life. Sometimes I'm just listening to their stuff. Some of them I actually get to connect with in person. And I am so honored to. But I make sure I spend enough time in touch with those top five so they keep helping me level up to be the, the most amazing person that I can be, the most amazing Joanne I can be, right? I'm leaving their list because I just don't like it. <laughs> We're moving on. We are moving on. So what are the things you're most passionate about? And the first step to living a fulfilling life is to identify the things you're passionate about. It's essential to know what you're passionate about because those are going to be the very things that drive you and make you happy, right? That's the magic of knowing your passion. I know the things I'm passionate about. I am passionate about teaching widows how to coach and help other widows. I am passionate about changing how society thinks of widows. I'm even more passionate about changing how widows think of being widowed because so many widows, I think to them, it's almost like their life stops the second their spouse dies, right? They think their life is over. And I want to just say, look, this is really a new beginning. This is a beginning for you. This is the next yeah, the next chapter of your life, as hokey and overused as that sounds, it is. I'm passionate about that. The other thing I'm passionate about is how to stop overeating for permanent weight loss. The fact that dieting is the big lie. The medical community has known for 50 years that eat less, move more doesn't work. And dieting is more harmful than it is helpful. They've known this. If you presented dieting to the FDA as a program, a medical program, it would never receive FDA approval because the failure rate is higher than 95%. Yet our doctors still tell us, eat less, move more. Maybe like go join Weight Watchers, right? 
And I'm going, it's not the answer. I know what the answer is now. How to stop overeating, discovering what is driving you to overeat, fixing that thing in your life. Sometimes we are so scared of something that we don't want to even think about it in our life. We don't want to admit to ourselves it's in our life. We don't want to acknowledge it's in our life. So we hide from it. And one of the ways we hide from it is eating a lot of junk and overeating. Because if you are standing in the kitchen putting Oreo cookies in your mouth, you're just thinking about Oreo cookies. You don't have to face up to anything. And here's the amazing thing. You know, I can take someone who's been doing that for years, help them look at what it is in their life that's making them want to stand in the kitchen and eat Oreo cookies. They were scared of it like it was some... 40 foot tall giant monster and it turns out to be this little caterpillar of an issue that is so easily rectified and they're like hold on I've been 50 pounds overweight for the last two decades because of that I'm like well yeah <laughs> so let's fix it let's fix it and then you never feel compulsed to overeat again and your body can drop the weight Listen to me. Do you see how long I just went on about that? I'm telling you, it's one of my passions in life, right? So when you find things that you're passionate about like that, oh my goodness. People say to me, how do you turn on your microphone and podcast? Like, do you, do you write out a whole script? Do you have? And I'm like, no, sometimes I don't even have bullet points. I just turn on the microphone and talk because I'm passionate about it. It all comes out. Right? So ask yourself, what do you love? What do you love? What fulfills you? What makes you feel good when you do it? Okay, maybe I shouldn't have phrased it like that, but you know what I'm talking about. What is fulfilling? What work do you do that doesn't feel like work? I mean, think about it. For me, sitting down and cutting out a fabric pattern and sewing it feels like work, like under the gun work. But for somebody else, it's their absolute pleasure to sit and sew. Right? So what work do you do that doesn't even feel like work to you? Maybe you love to write. Maybe you love being with animals and working with animals. Maybe you really have a knack for taking pictures. Like your friends are like, whoa, you take the best pictures. The point is you figure out what you love doing and then do more of it. Right? Think about what are your greatest accomplishments in life. Right? Write down the things from your past experiences in your life that you're really proud of. Most of us don't take the time to do this. I make my coaches do it every year even. At the end of the year, we go back and look at the year and the things that we've accomplished and the things that we've done and the experiences we've had. Because it's so easy to move through life and just erase all that and never celebrate it. So think about your past experiences and things you've done in your life that you're really proud of. Make a list. Make a list. Some of those accomplishments. How did they make you feel? Right? Because then you can emulate those experiences and those feelings. 
you want to continue to do the things that have been most fulfilling for you. Now, their third question here is one that I absolutely love. And I have asked this question. I have journaled myself on this question. I've assigned it to widow coaches to work on. If your life had absolutely no limits, what would you choose to have and what would you choose to do? And by no limits, I mean if you won the lottery, like the mega, mega millions at its highest, you won like a billion dollars, more money than you could ever spend or even need to think about or anything. If you had all the money and you had all the time in the world, time was no longer a hold back factor for you. What would you do? Where would you go? Who would you want to spend time with? I mean, Really, this is an exercise that I'm assigning to you right now. I want you to either do it right now, pause this, and then come back to it later, or take a second to write this down so when you're done listening to me, you go do this. You go take a few minutes, write down the question. If I had all the money and all the time, there were no limitations in my life at all, what would I do? Where would I go? What would I buy? Who would I want to be with? Let's say that there was even, we removed any chance of risk or failure for you in any way. Oh, thank you, computer, underscoring that. <laughs> in any way, right? Like everything you're doing is over a big safety net that's invisible. What would you do? Who would you spend time with? And here's what's interesting, too. When you look at this, you may find that, that the things that you would want to do are things that you wouldn't even need a million dollars to do, right? You wouldn't need all the money and all the time. But because we are always feeling under the crunch, like, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have enough money, I can't afford that. Those three words, four words, <laughs> oh, God. Math is my strong point. Those four words, I can't afford that, I removed from my vocabulary. They are so limiting. You can afford anything. It's just a matter of choices, right? I could afford to own a private jet, or I could live in a house and not sleep in the street. <laughs> but it's not that I can't afford the private jet. I choose to buy a house instead and have a roof over my head. It's a choice. So, if you had no limits, tell me what you would do. Okay? Answering those questions really going to help you maybe set a few small goals or a few small milestones that you want to work towards. So, stop being held back by what you think are limitations. Because we just think they're limitations. We think things are impossible. But really it's not. And I know, again, I'm falling into cliche land, but if you could do the impossible, what would you do? Every year I set an impossible goal. And my reason for doing that 
is, hey, I may hit the impossible goal. I may do the impossible. That would be pretty awesome. But even if I don't accomplish the impossible, it's all about who I become in trying to hit the impossible. And how close can I get to the impossible? What things can I create in my life because I'm striving for something that I thought was impossible? You can always break free from limitations. And once you are able to do this exercise, you are going to be able to set some goals in your life for yourself, right? Like maybe you should have some health goals or a health goal or a career and a career goal and some family goals. Figure these out. Who do you admire most in the world? You can follow the path of successful people to set yourself up for success. I have people that I have greatly admired. Some of them have been personal friends and I've been able to pick their brains, right? I have a family friend who had a very successful company and I love to pick his brain about business because I know how successful he was. And some of his answers absolutely floor me. I'm like, wait, what? Right? I, he once told me he was that successful and he never worked more than 15 hours a week. I was like, what? You worked three hours a day? Yeah. Because he apparently grew up with a basic understanding that I had to learn 60 years later. And that is you can't trade time for money. That it's not about how much you're worth per hour. It's about how much value you're putting out in the world. It's not a, a trade for time for money. If we were always paid for the amount of time we put into something, how is it possible that someone like Bill Gates made billions of dollars? He had the same hours in the day that the rest of us had. He didn't have more time. He was just creating more value. He was just putting amazing ideas into the world. So think about successful people. Read about them. Study them. I've read everything about Steve Jobs I could get my hands on. Because you can learn and set yourself up for success in doing that. What about people that you really respect and admire the most? What are their qualities? Why do you respect them? What can you learn? Right? What can you learn? Maybe add one of these people to your top five that I talk about. And on the flip side of those top five people that you become the average of, also realize you don't want to waste your time with people who drag you down. There was a point in my life that I had to eliminate a couple people from my day-to-day -day life because I realized they were just an energy suck. You know, that they, I could, I mean, I loved them. They were friends and I could manage my emotions, manage my mind, but it took a lot of work for me to manage my energy around these people because they were people that were dragging me down. So I wanted to focus more on my top five. 
But here's the point. If you want something to change in your life, you can't just sit around wanting change or hoping things will change. You have to take action. I teach that hope is really a useless emotion. Because if you're just sitting there hoping, you're not doing anything to get closer to what it is you want. Right? So, begin working to answer the question, what do I want to do with my life? And trust me, you don't have to have the definitive answer to that to start taking steps. That's what's amazing. Because I'm still asking myself four years later, what do I want to do with my life? It's a new question every day. Do I want to keep doing this thing? Do I want to do something a little different? What do I want to change? You always get to tweak it. Once you commit to it, once you answer that question, what do I want to do with my life? You are not locked in. It's not like, too bad, the next 20 years, that's what you're working towards, whether you love it or not. No, you get to change your mind. You get to tweak it. And it is never, ever too late to do what you're passionate about, to go after what you truly desire. Just get out there and take the first step towards improving your life. Whatever you decide that first step is. That's what I want for you. And I want you to be doing it because it's something that you want. Not something that you think your dead spouse would want for you. All right? It's nice to think that they would want you to be happy and all that. But don't be tied into, I'm doing what they would want me to do in life. Because we've done that almost our entire lives. Many of us. We've been doing what our parents want, what our friends think we should do, what, right, what our husband wouldn't object to. Instead of taking the time to understand what it is you want for yourself, what it would mean to you to live an extraordinary life. That's my hashtag, you guys. Hashtag living an extraordinary life. You can go post on Facebook. Tell me what you think would contribute to your living an extraordinary life and do hashtag living an extraordinary life. I can go look for those hashtags and, and find all of your ideas. I Oh, that's great. I'm excited now. Do that. Go post on Facebook. You can just post it on your personal profile. Some of the things that you think you would want for you and hashtag it, hashtag living an extraordinary life. And if you want to see what others are putting up on Facebook, you know, in the little Facebook search bar up there, you can put in hashtag living an extraordinary life and you will see any post that has that hashtag. How fun is that? So do that. Let's do that. Let's go back and check that. Go think about what it is you really want in life and start taking some small steps towards it. Even if it's just eating like three bites of ice cream after dinner every night. Whatever is going to make you happy. What is going to make your life extraordinary. Let's start working towards those things. So get out there. Have an amazing week. 
I am going to, by the time you hear this, I will be in Toronto, Canada, for something called Tribe Live. Um, it's a course, it's a big course and a bunch of entrepreneurs from all different walks of life. And we are all going to descend on Toronto at once. It is going to be so fun. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot and come back just on fire motivated for my uh, subscription membership site that I will be opening the doors on again very, very soon. So hang in there with me. If you want to be on the wait list to know when the doors open again on that subscription membership, go to widowcoachingcenter.com and click on the orange buttons until you can put in your name and your email address to be on the wait list. So you will be one of the first to know when I open the doors on that membership again. Okay, have a fantastic weekend, you guys. I'll talk to you again next week.